0: Christian Dunn. And I'm sitting down with Richard Dunn, managing partner and founder at Strategic Institute for Innovation and Government Contracting. Today we are talking about solutions. The acquisition system, as, at least as it pertains to R&D and fielding new capability, has been muddling around for quite some time trying to figure out solutions to its problem of costing too much, taking too long, And often delivering lackluster solutions. So, what are the solutions to creating a more dynamic and more synergistic uh, acquisition system that can that plays well with others as well? Um, So, we're gonna. There, there have been many solutions proffered over the years. Uh, You know, uh, folks sometimes get sick of folks critiquing and being critical of the systems and they're you know we've heard oh we just want to hear solutions from now on we just forget all of you naysayers we need to hear solutions I'm not sure that they really want to hear solutions either but you know we do there have been many solutions that have been proffered over the years and uh you know Rick you've been around at this game for a while what are
1: some of those solutions Beginning in the early 2000s, we found ourselves engaged in a series of conflicts um, that resulted in uh, taking our post-Cold War military force and, and thrusting it in, into a different kind of, uh, of war fighting uh, in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. And we found, the warfighters found, that they had needs that were not being supplied by the acquisition system. And so The department tried to deal with that issue, Uh, and basically it came up with uh, a whole lot of different organizations that had a bunch of different names for them. And they were sometimes collectively uh, referred to as the Heinz 57 of all these organizations that were supposed to deal with some services needs or some technology need area and so forth. I've, and, never, I've never heard this Heinz 57 before. Well, I mean, you know, there, there were, uh, uh, as I said, M MRAP. I mean, it, it just went on and on. Uh, but and then again, I've, I've just been introduced to the name Puzzle
0: Palace for the Pentagon, and which, I, which <laughs> I thought the name was actually apt anyway. <laughs> uh,
1: in any event, there was an attempt to come to grips with, you know, how, how do we deal with real needs of the warfighter, n- not just... Uh, Needs that the requirement system has come to, you know, we've looked at the national security policy and, and we've devolved it down into uh, need areas that become requirements uh, after years and years and finally are handed over to the acquisition system for another years-long uh, process. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so the Defense Science Board tried to address this question after this had been going on. And they came up with a number of recommendations. And the interesting thing about the recommendations is that they were were recommendations of things that the Secretary of Defense should do. And basically, the Secretary of Defense didn't do any of them, although Congress picked up on some of the ideas of that Defense Science Board report. Uh, I'm thinking of the July 2009 report, Fulfillment of Urgent Operational Needs. And and there are some core... uh, issues there. One, the uh, the DSB task force recommended the, the su- separation of acquisition into two paths. One is basically the deliberate years-long path that we've been operating on for, for many, many years. And the other is, is the rapid approach. Uh, and the rapid approach, they said, required uh, a streamlined, integrated approach, working with the combatant Commands uh, in order to anticipate future uh, needs, and it required a uh, a new organizational structure as well as using the available acquisition authorities and also using um, work uh, workforce personnel authorities workforce authorities in order to staff the new organization with the kind of folks that uh, can operate rapidly and in an integrated, um, streamlined. fashion so
0: this is this is saying that there's this so you're telling me that there's something they're seeing things as being separate and different absolutely okay absolutely
1: now the other is this
0: is the same as saying maybe procurement versus the type of thing that you're doing in r&d which is more of a collaborative approach which is you know because you know a lot of this is a very procurement-oriented system um, where R and D and developing new capabilities and things like that is something different.
1: What, one of the things that they pointed out was that if you want to do, if you want to field capabilities rapidly, you need relatively mature technologies. So, in in one sense, they were saying you need to look at the commercial world. You need to look offshore. Wherever you might find it, I mean, if there is an existing capability that can be adapted to military needs, that can be done more rapidly than a full up development and program well, under, under the traditional system. Or even if even if the product or service is not available, if there's something that that's already in a mature developmental state, that can be more rapidly fielded than, than starting. From scratch, so so they were saying. You know, first of all, look out, look outwardly uh, f- for potential solutions, and not just in our traditional way of uh, being very passive and you know, posting it on. Yeah. Well, starting off with a national defense strategy, devolving mm-hmm. it down into needs, and going through the requirements for, you know, doing all those steps. So, in any event, uh, the Secretary of Defense, that person, that office. Did not respond directly or immediately to those recommendations. However, in the um, fiscal year 2016 National Defense Authorization Act, there was a section 804 that created something called the middle tier of acquisition, which included elements of rapid prototyping and rapid fielding. Um, so it was Congress that responded to the recommendations, part of the recommendations, um, rather than the Secretary uh, of Defense.
0: Well, Congress in many ways has been leading the way on acquisition reform at this point. I mean, as I say, pol- policies are now light years ahead of practice. That's, that's
1: true. The, the, the means to accomplish rapid and integrated uh, fielding of, of uh, new capabilities is, is there. Um, but section 804, the middle tier of acquisition, uh, enacted in fiscal year, uh, 19, 2016 in uh, 2015, basically took years for the department sort of to take note of and to come to grips with. And at the, at the DOD level, the, the guidance is, uh, is dated from, uh, from 2019. Um, some of the services, um, uh, got out some guidance a little earlier than that. The Navy was particularly recalcitrant in not utilizing the new rapid capability, the new rapid prototyping and fielding authority. Uh, And whereas the Air Force, I think in the first, after a couple of years, had about 20 projects uh, under that authority, and the Army had a number of projects. And I think um, there was a uh, Congressional Research Service report that that detailed all this and and I think the Navy lagged behind with just three projects uh, back in be- before back before COVID back in about uh, 2019. Well, I don't think in the meantime things have not gotten more rapid. <laughs> well, and I don't want to I don't want to really beat this one too much, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning uh, in this context uh, b- because of the basic elements. You know, one is. Uh, utilize the acquisition authorities that are available, look outward to potentially commercially available items that can be developed or adapted. Um, And then organizationally, you have to break the mold of the procurement community, the the traditional contracting community that puts up with cost too much, takes too long and basically knows the compliance system and not the rapid acquisition and fielding uh, approach. The Defense Science Board report also talked about workforce issues and and having, as I said, a a streamlined integrated approach, which includes people that are willing to take some risks and to do things differently in order to get a capability uh, fielded. So I mean, you know, one of the things that we in the Strategic Institute have talked about is the importance of a team, a team of uh, you know capable, motivated people
0: who are also being protected from higher levels. For folks, you know, one of the biggest things about being a leader or being a manager is going to bat for your for your for your subordinates. I mean, that's where you get the respect. You know, um, you know, just going along with whatever the the top. The, the folks above you say doesn't get you a lot of respect among your among
1: your troops. Well, I mean, some of these issues go back, back, you know, decades to the Packard Commission, you know, about the work- workforce operates in fear because it, it's in a highly regulated system at the bottom end of layers of bureaucracy. So, well, and, every, and every contracting officer I've ever met talks about contracting jail. Now, nobody
0: knows anybody who's ever been to contracting jail, but clearly this is something that's constantly, you know, rammed
1: home. <clears throat> so the team the motivated protected team has to be liberated from the business as usual from mentality from from fear So Mumbling with fear so you you've got to take uh, uh, people who can embrace the uh, contracting authorities that, that uh, Congress has provided that understand that they need need to be in connection with the warfighter to help understand needs and future needs, and they need to be connected with the broader industrial base, both domestically and internationally, to understand what technologies and capabilities already exist out there that can be integrated. Uh, One of the other things that the Defense Science Board talked about was having a a fund available so that you could respond quickly. I mean, we're not gonna be able to fix the entire, the, the, the budget process definitely needs to be fixed, Uh, we're not going to be able to come up with recommendations to do that today. And by the way, talking about teaming and... and,
0: uh, uh, We at the Strategic Institute for Innovation and Government Contracting focus on the contracting and the innovation in the business side. Yes, we know that there's a budgeting problem. But actually, we know that there's some some authorities that allow this to sort of be stopgapped, fixed, in a sense...
1: there's, uh, I mean, actually, I mean, there is a rapid prototyping uh, fund, but of course the rapid prototyping fund is wrapped in layers of bureaucracy. But and, o-
0: other uh, transactions uh, allow you to bring in other, other monies. And ab- that's, that's the important part. They, they can be third-party financing monies. It could be, you could establish some sort of fund. I mean, there's, there's a variety of different ways once people get in their mind to and understand how broad these authorities are,
1: correct? Ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And And while
0: that's not the panacea and it doesn't necessarily fix the problem, it does allow, I don't know what you want to call them, fixes of sorts, interim fixes.
1: It's a possibility that exists and a particular program or programs might be able to, you know, if people were thinking that way, they might be able to take advantage. I mean, think of things like uh, Space Launch. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of commercial investment going into Space Launch right now. Uh, the Department of Defense should be taking advantage of it. I mean, it is. It's using the uh, the Space Exploration Corporation, mm-hmm. SpaceX Falcon Nine, for for some of its uh, its launches. Okay. And um, a- as a matter of fact, all national security launches today t- take place on vehicles that were developed as other transactions. I mean, right. most people, th- many people, think other transactions are this small niche authority for working with small businesses. Well. In, in the area of space launch, uh, you know, all those vehicles have been e- either initially developed or upgraded using uh, um, other transactions.
0: Well, the beauty about that is, you know, since this is commercial space that, uh, that the government is kind of piggybacking on, that means the taxpayers should not be paying the full freight for right. any of this stuff. In fact, right. it, it probably should be paying, they should probably be paying relatively little.
1: And I mean, even earlier defense science boards, you know, l- looked at a, a number of issues and, and said there's whole segments of the defense industry that could be operated on a completely commercial basis. I mean, um, gas turbine and jet engines could be uh, uh, procured could, uh, as commercial, commercially. Uh, microelectronics are not specific to the Department of Defense or to to the military. So there's there's whole whole segments of Uh, economic activity that the Department of Defense could take advantage of without using this highly regulated, cost-too-much-takes-too-long system. Uh, But you need people who have the capability of thinking in a commercial fashion, who can actually speak the language. I mean, if you go to to government websites if you go to the the SAMe the this which is supposed to be the interface with um, the the outside world the way we we uh, mm-hmm. the DOD government addresses its needs it's filled with abbreviations and acronyms and jargon that are specific to the military. I mean, it's certainly not a marketing website. It's, well, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's
0: something else.
1: There, there's a, <laughs> actually a, a statutory requirement to write regulations in plain English. Well, th- that doesn't enter into the everyday speech of acquisition professionals and people who purport to reach out to industry. I mean, they continue to utilize uh, the, the internal jargon without making a, a really concentrated effort to be able to communicate to the broader outside uh, so world. So much
0: so that, that doesn't they, 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 they don't really tell a story. They don't really, I, I don't understand what problems they're trying to solve necessarily. You know what uh, I mean?
1: So when we talk about ha- having a powered protected team, these are some of the things that a team, a group of, of capable people working together, trying to do things differently, you don't have to change the entire culture of the department. You don't have to change the entire culture of the acquisition system if you put together this relatively small team of, of individuals who are working together as an integrated team, not necessarily or, or not as representatives of some stovepipe organization and, and only providing the, the viewpoint of you know, their office or their department. They're there to accomplish a mission. They have a project that they're working on, and they do it in an integrated basis. I mean, you know, as you well know, this this is one of the themes that we constantly uh, convey when we, we talk do about teaming all the time because of how critical it is. In, in, and you have the flexibility to do it in other transactions. And you know, DoD needs to wake up to, to the idea idea that if we want to get things done, you know, pull in the program manager, uh, pull in the testing guy. Uh, sure, they need contracting support. They may need some legal support. They need they may... contracting and legal support. They don't need to be led by legal and contracting. And, and they certainly don't need lawyers who create policies on, on their own beyond the bailiwick of, of interpreting law and, and regulation, which I, I see happen uh, so frequently in the department.
0: Well, most of the mo- most things. I mean, we talk about it. Uh, the Defense Science Board talks about it. I think it was even mentioned in the department or the DoD uh, uh, OT guide. And I've seen it in a variety of places. the The, the idea of a empowered and protected team uh, comes up repeatedly. Um, and what that team looks like can be. I mean, we we tend to think that it should be a s- smaller teams located. Within the organizations, but other folks have mentioned the Defense Science Board thinks a whole other agency that focused on rapid, uh, capable or rapid uh, fielding and, and 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 prototyping should be developed. Some folks think that it should be somewhere in between, you know. Um, so you know, it, it, and that's not for us to decide. But we 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 definitely encourage a empowered and protected. Team, however that looks,
1: whether whether they're permanently assigned, whether it's a matrix assignment, um, you know, however you want to put the team together. But th- the key issue is, you know, go back to the Packard Commission. Some some senior leader has a vision; he has a mission to accomplish, and and he looks to specific individuals. He looks to this team to accomplish that mission, not filtered through layers of bureaucracy and naysayers. Uh, the boss wants to get it done. You, you are the folks that have been chartered... Uh, oh, right. I mean, in commercial it. industry, you have a boss who wants to get something done. He
0: empowers a team who's primarily the program manager and the technical experts who are there, who are then supported by contracting personnel and legal, you know, but it really is the program management managers and the technical experts who are really charged with finding the solutions.
1: They... Leadership of the department could make this happen. Uh, However, if they're captured by their staffs, if they're captured by their contracting bureaucracy, if they're captured by their general counsel's uh, office, we say, oh, no, that's not the way we do things. uh, It's not going to happen. But if the leader says, I want it to happen, if you were Mike Griffin over when he was the administrator of NASA, And he said, you know, we're going to work with SpaceX to develop a new launch capability. We're going to do it through partnering rather than through procurement. Well, you know, when the boss really wants it done and and he gives a charter to his doers, things get done. And in the area of acquisition, we've lacked that leadership. It has not come from the Secretary of Defense. It has not come from the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment or the Undersecretary for Research and Engineering. These people have to see that innovation in business process is probably the most important innovation that can take place in the Department of Defense. It becomes the enabler for all the other things, things we need to do to support the warfighter and our national defense capabilities. Whatever you
0: prioritize gets done. I mean that's pretty it's pretty simple and I mean we've been talking about it for 40 years there's been a lot of good rhetoric there's been a lot of folks out there working at the fringes but at some point it this needs to become a priority not just a re- not just in rhetoric but an actual priority that people feel passionately about changing fixing and conquering this darn thing because we can't keep having this conversation forty years from now that and still talking about how the acquisition system has only gotten worse i don 't think we're we'll be around you know for that, and that's you know that's that 's disappointing as a private citizen. I find it very disappointing, and I see a massive crisis in leadership when it comes to the acquisition system because I think a lot of things are possible through good leadership and I personally in the last six years looking at this.
1: Not seen that. The, the legal authorities are there, both in the area of acquisition and the area of workforce. Um, how do we hold leadership accountable? I mean, I mean seriously. I mean, how
0: does that ever happen? Does does do they ever? Does anybody ever be, get held to account for failing? I mean, right now, using OTs, use, developing a preference, and getting educated is a congressional mandate, a law. Yet, as, yet, as, yet,
1: nobody is being held to account. Nobody as as is the civil military integration policy. It is in law. No, I mean, I've I've named these people. I mean, it's the Secretary of Defense. It's the Secretary of the Military Departments. It's the Undersecretaries of Defense and, and for well, uh, we, acquisition. We've res- seen
0: that they're able to do things when there's when there's presidential mandates. I mean, be it you know. We saw it with the vaccine. We saw it with the, the race, critical race theory and stuff like that. I mean, folks, this got mandated and it got done. Why? is This is something so important, acquisition um, and, and, and fielding new capability for our warfighters, for our industrial base, for our taxpayers, for our national
1: competitiveness. And we're screwing around, it seems. <laughs> well... Maybe we can't solve every problem, but I think in this discussion today, we've talked about the importance uh, of a, a capable, motivated, powered, and protected team utilizing all the authorities that are available to it. Well, and and I think, I see, I, think I see a workforce generation, the, the millennials, the young folks seem
0: to want to do this, but you know, I, I feel like they're waiting around for leadership. And that's not a good situation to be in because they're gonna lose a lot of these talented folks. We've we've watched the attrition already happened. Um and I'm and I'm concerned that if, if if leadership doesn't I mean, it's 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 kind of it's kind of at that point, like put up or shut up type of period. Cause I mean, I I don't know that we can fall much further behind and or, you know, potentially fall further behind and remain competitive with our near peer adversaries.
1: Well, nothing we say is going to motivate leadership, the leaders, unless they agree and they understand that the staff offices, the bureaucracies are actually impediments to them doing something that needs to be, They're, they're not the means by which things get done, they are often an impediment So it's the secretary, it's the undersecretary that actually has to write the memorandum that says go and do it this way, Mm -hmm. and they they can't assume that the business as usual bureaucracy in a timely uh, or or effective manner is going to carry out that kind of a direction. It'll get watered down. It'll get delayed. uh, So leadership needs to take it upon itself. They may be, they need to bring in a special staff from outside the normal bureaucracy to help them with it. If they're not going to write the memorandum themselves and do the follow-up themselves, but relying on the traditional bureaucracy, 50 plus years of experience have shown us is not going to get us there. Wow.
0: Okay. We're going to leave it there, folks. Uh, This is obviously a pretty, he, he, this is a, issue that i could ramble on about and so could rick but you know we appreciate you joining us and listening to us and uh we hope you found something meaningful or at least something of interest out of this conversation and we look forward to talking to you again soon thank you